This is episode 386 of the AWS podcast, released on August 23, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lisha here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm, of course, joined by Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. How you doing? Hi, Simon. I'm so glad that my audio is working out now. Yeah, I think we've 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 cracked that nut. I think uh, hopefully. So uh, now it's all about the content. <laughs> I think we nailed that one. So we have, yeah. So we've got lots of uh, updates to go through today, and maybe let's start with the topic of analytics. So Amazon QuickSight has now added embedded authoring, namespaces for multi-tenancy, and much much more. So you can now embed dashboard authoring capability within third-party applications and portals. So this is really useful for ISVs, enterprises, et cetera, because you can provide self-service data exploration, ad hoc data analysis, and dashboard authoring capabilities directly for your end users. Now, this is really useful because you don't have to create custom dashboards every time, build a whole lot of stuff. Also, it supports namespaces. So this is a multi-tenant capability lets customers easily maintain data isolation while supporting multiple workloads within the same QuickSight account. So you can now have a dedicated namespace for readers and authors for one organization who would be isolated from readers and authors for another namespace. A whole bunch of other capabilities. It's pretty rich, which is great. Quick update for Amazon Elasticsearch service. It now has support for version 7.7 and the uh, corresponding versions of Kibana. Uh, it's a minor release, bug fixes, enhancements, and cluster stability uh, because it actually significantly reduces the amount of heap memory that's needed to keep Lucene segments open. So you get faster results and you get a lot more stability, which is a good thing. Speaking of performance increases, Amazon EMR now supports Amazon EC2 G4 instances, and these give you up to four and a half times faster and 5.4 times cheaper XG Boost training. So the TLDR is if you're using XG Boost, you need to look at this because you're about to go a whole bunch faster. <laughs> FluentBit now supports Amazon Elasticsearch service as a destination to route container logs. So customers that are using container services like ECS or EKS or self-managed Kubernetes even can now send your container logs to Amazon Elasticsearch service directly using the FluentBit log router. FluentBit also allows customers to route container logs to various AWS and partner monitoring solutions, including CloudWatch, Kinesis, Datadog, Splunk, and of course, now the Elasticsearch service. Amazon Athena has added support for querying Apache Hootie datasets in Amazon S3-based data lakes. Uh, so you can now query the read-optimized view of an Apache Hootie dataset in your S3-based data lake. And Apache Hootie is an open-source data management framework used to simplify incremental data processing and data pipeline development. Hootie enables S3-based data lakes to comply with data privacy laws, consume real-time streams, and change data capture logs, reinstate late arriving data, and track change history and rollback. So that's awesome support if you already use Apache Hootie with your S3-based data lakes. And this one is a cool one. The last one in this topic is that there's a bunch of new AWS public data sets available. Some of them are super cool. There's a new one available from the National Cancer Institute. Uh, so if you were doing any kind of studying of machine learning and cancer, that one looks really interesting to me. Uh, there's one from MIT. There's another from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. There's some really, really awesome ones here. So there's 
uh, let's see, there's a bunch now available. Definitely check them out if you're interested in uh, coming up with machine learning solutions with uh, public data sets. There's an absolute ripper there from from Amazon as well because we've, we've provided a few, you know, like multilingual Amazon reviews corpus, answer reformulation, but my favorite is human detection from product question answering systems from Alexa shopping. <laughs> That's got to be an absolute cracker. Got it. We have to check that one out. <laughs> we'll get up to that one. Let's move on to the topic of application integration. And Amazon SQS now supports a new console experience. And this is an experience I'll be using today because I have some SQS work to do this morning. So uh, <laughs> that's one I'll try. Uh, it now accelerates the creation and modification of SQS resources. So you can easily select the type of queue, its access policy, encryption, and other configurations while creating a queue. And you can also easily view and modify your queue's SNS subscriptions, Lambda triggers, dead letter queue, access policy, CloudWatch metrics, encryption, and tag details. I look forward to trying it. Definitely one of my favorite services. Amazon AppFlow now supports private data transfers between AWS and Salesforce. So remember that Amazon AppFlow is a fully managed integration service that lets you securely transfer data between AWS services and cloud applications. It now supports private data transfers between AWS and Salesforce, leveraging AWS Private Link. So this means you can move your data without it ever going across the public internet for any reason. So it improves your security, minimizes risk of internet-based attack vectors, and it also means that you can just manage your data in a much more efficient way with just a few clicks. So it's very powerful. If you're a Salesforce user, this one's going to be really interesting to you. And final one on this topic is Amazon MQ now has support for a new micro broker. This is the MQT3 micro. Uh, this is 8 to 13% less expensive than the previous generation MQT2 micro, which in itself was pretty cheap, uh, but now it's even cheaper. And also if you're using the free tier, the MQT3 micro is included in that free tier. So you can get a single instance for up to 750 hours per month for one year. So super useful for dev test type work. Cheaper is always better. Moving on to the topic of business applications. One quick update here. Alexa for business is now available on Logic Tech Solutions for Zoom Rooms. So it's now available to run directly on Logic Tech Zoom Rooms, which enables customers with voice activated control without deploying any additional hardware. Users get a touch-free way to interact with Zoom Rooms and keep meetings on track by leveraging Alexa to join meetings and be reminded to wrap up when a meeting is about to end. They can optimize meeting room reservations by saying, Alexa, find me an available room, or Alexa, extend my meeting. And further, the Intelligent Room release leverages Logic Tech, Logic Tech Tap's motion sensor to free up reserved but unoccupied rooms for other employees looking to book them. So that one is pretty cool. <laughs> that's the killer feature, that one. <laughs> the old room that's booked that no one's in. <laughs> Alexa, get me a room now. <laughs> Moving on to the topic of compute, Amazon LightSail now offers CDN distributions to accelerate your content delivery. So this is backed, of course, by Amazon CloudFront and means you can get data around much faster around your global network of servers, 200 locations, 42 countries to serve out your data. And with LightSail CDN, it's not only faster, but you can also enable TLS for your custom domains and improve your site scalability and availability all within a very simple and easy to use console. Lots of things to get you started, so a really good way to go. There is a new benchmark, the CIS benchmark for Amazon EKS, and this lets you accurately assess the security configuration of nodes running as part of your Amazon EKS clusters. Now, this is, of course, a very important thing in terms of providing best practices and guidance, etc. but how do you know that it's running well? So basically, the benchmark 
provides accurate guidance for node security configurations for EKS, and it's applicable to EC2 nodes where you are responsible for security configurations of the Kubernetes components. And the benchmark provides a standard community-approved way to ensure you have configured your Kubernetes cluster and nodes securely when using Amazon EKS. Now there's four sections. There's control, play, control plane, I should say, logging configuration, node security configurations, policies, and managed services. If you are using EKS in this way, you should apply this. The uh, SAM CLI is now generally available for production use. I've been using it for a while and didn't know it was still in beta. Um, in your mind, it was always in production. It was always in production. That's right. Uh, so it is now generally available. The beta version, which was previously supported by Docker Lambda, where, uh, which are emulation images developed by our favorite AWS serverless hero, Michael Hart. Shout out to Michael. Uh, so now version one is supported by AWS provided emulation images, which also includes new build support for custom Lambda runtimes and Lambda layers. Uh, so there's a number of commands involved, you know, there's SAM init, SAM build, SAM deploy. Um, and the, uh, there's a new property called build method under your SAM template, which, uh, you can use to compile custom Lambda runtimes and Lambda layers. And so the build method is either a specific Lambda runtime or a make file, which can define a set of tasks to be executed. And then once you run SAM build, it would obviously uh, build your layers as well. So that one's pretty cool. Uh, and if you- Make files, is there anything they can't do? <laughs> nope. I, uh, I love that it's GA now though. So that's amazing. I literally thought it was GA this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that speaks. I guess that speaks to the great work that that uh, our heroes and the team have been doing that you didn't notice. That's right. <laughs> it was that good. It was that good. Um, moving on, uh, CloudWatch metrics for Amazon EC2 on-demand capacity reservations is now available. So you can now monitor capacity reservation usage via your CloudWatch metrics. Uh, so you can identify unused capacity by setting CloudWatch alarms to notify you when usage thresholds are met, and you no longer need to manually monitor your capacity reservation usage. The new metrics include things like used instance count, available instance count, total instance count, and instance utilization, which is just the percentage of reserved capacity instances that are currently in use. So that's now available. And lastly, in this topic, Amazon EC2 VM import export has added support for Red Hat, Linux 8, and CentOS 8. So EC2 VM import export now allows you to import virtual machine images with Red Hat Linux 8 and CentOS 8 for creating Amazon machine images, and you can use the AMI to create EC2 instances. So you can easily import your virtual machine images from your existing environments and export them back to your on-premise environments as well. That's pretty cool. It is very nice. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement. Contact Lens for Amazon Connect is now generally available. So Contact Lens is a set of machine learning based analytics capabilities. And with Contact Lens, contact centers now have the ability to easily access call transcripts, understand customer sentiment and conversation characteristics. So things like non-talk time and interruptions and identify customer issues and call drivers. You can also monitor compliance with company guidelines as well. Now, the nice thing is it's just a few clicks, no technical expertise, and you could be analyzing your calls and getting insight into it. So it's really powerful to identify the the sort of phrases that can be problematic to learn more about how call flows are going, et cetera. It's very, very powerful. Lots of cool stuff. The in name there. is Definitely my favorite. Worth diving into. <laughs> they had you at the name. Yep. 
Amazon Connect also now supports speaking styles with neural text-to-speech voices. So, uh, for example, um, you can take the TTS voice of Matthew and adapt it to be more relatable to a welcome prompt uh, or take on a more formal persona when informing customers of their bank balance. Um, I like my bank balance announced in a more formal tone. I'm thinking of trumpets and, you know, hee, hee, your bank balance is. <laughs> but there, what it means is that, that you can have a far more engaging and relatable interaction style as well. And Amazon Connect also now supports integration with Salesforce Service Cloud Voice. And this service brings together phone, digital channels, and CRM data into one unified contact center experience. And Amazon Connect now offers pre-integrated cloud telephony and automatic speech recognition for both agents and supervisors in Service Cloud. So this is a nice combination of some very popular capabilities. And Connect was very busy. They had one more thing, which was adding recording APIs. So they have four new APIs that let you start, stop, pause, and resume call recording. So using this, you can now control recording with a button from your custom user agent interface, and you can build integrations to set recording information based upon telephony attributes. So things like area code, etc. Or pause and resume recording based on programmatic triggers. So, for example, you'll often pause the recording when some sensitive information is being provided. So, very useful. Moving on to the topic of database, uh, Amazon RDS was definitely busy this past month. So RDS for SQL Server now supports service master key retention. So you, it now retains the same master key throughout the lifespan of the RDS SQL Server DB instance. And by retaining the same key, your DB instance will be able to seamlessly use objects that are encrypted with that service master key. Uh, with this enhancement, table column level encryption and SQL Server to SQL Server linked servers are fully supported. Amazon RDS for MySQL now supports a minor version 8.0.20. This release includes a number of bug fixes as well as functionality improvements. Amazon RDS for MySQL and MariaDB supports additional sizes for DBM5 and DBR5 instance classes. Uh, So now supports 8x large and 16x large for DBM5 and DBR5 instance classes. And with the support, customers who are currently using M4 10x large and M4 16x large, R4 8x large, or R4 16x large now have an easy upgrade path to this latest generation of instances. Just as a reminder, M5 instances uh, provide improved performance over the current generation M4 instances and provides a balance of compute memory and network resources and is a good choice for many database workloads. R5 instances are the latest generation of memory-optimized instances that develop deliver 5% additional memory per vCPU and up to 20% increased CPU performance over R4 instances, and they're suited for memory-intensive database workloads. And lastly, Amazon RDS for SQL Server supports disabling old versions of TLS and ciphers. Uh, so with the support... By creating a custom DB parameter group and associating it with your DB instance, you can disable or enable older versions of the transport layer security, such as TLS 1 and 1.1. You can also disable or enable ciphers, such as the RC4 stream cipher. Very nice. Moving on to the topic of developer tools, AWS X-Ray.net Auto Instrumentation Agent is now available in beta. So this lets you collect trace data without having to modify existing applications written in .NET and .NET Core, which is pretty cool. Hey, Nikki, have you tried this one at all? Is I haven't, but now I particular? want to. <laughs> it's very, very nice. No code changes for existing applications and you can use the trace data to analyze and debug your .NET and .NET Core distributed applications. 
Uh, particularly if you're using a microservices architecture, this is a very handy capability. The AWS SDK for Java version 2 metrics module is now available as a developer preview. So lots of cool stuff emerging for our developer community. And what this allows you to do is to collect and publish key performance metrics recorded automatically by the SDK. So these will be useful for detecting and diagnosing issues in your applications, things like increased API call latency and startup time. And goes well beyond my old approach of putting print statements in everyone. <laughs> that one I really have to get my hands on. That metrics yeah. module looks so cool. Uh, AWS CodeBuild now supports accessing build environments with AWS Session Manager. So you can now investigate and diagnose build issues straight from CodeBuild. And you can access your Linux and Windows build environments through an interactive one-click browser-based shell or through the CLI. That's pretty awesome. Direct access. Amazon Coretto 8U262 and Coretto 11.0.8 are now available. Coretto has now released its July quarterly critical updates. Uh, 8 and 11 support for Alpine Linux. Coretto 8 with JDK Flight Recorder, which can be used with JDK Mission Control, built for Coretto. And Coretto 11.32-bit x86 for Linux and ARM64 optimizations for both Coretto 8 and 11. Moving on to the topic of end-user computing, Amazon WorkDocs has refreshed the Android mobile app UI to provide a new simplified user experience. So if you're an Android user, you should get a nice cleaner uh, approach. The new visual layout is a visual enhancement that consists of updated login screens, color palette, grid view, typography, and iconography. And it makes it consistent with the other WorkDoc experiences and applications. And it should help with legibility. And the upgraded grid view has more file information, things like last modified date, et cetera, so you can see what's going on in your environment. Moving on to the topic of game tech, Lumberyard Beta 1.25 is now available. Uh, this brings a couple of updates. So it looks like an updated UI that makes it easier to navigate the editor and quickly iterate your project. An updated starter game, which is a sample project that uses best practices. Uh, script canvas functions, which offer reusable graphs called functions that you create that become available for use as nodes and other graphs and lots of other things, over 120 bug fixes, which is amazing. So props to uh, the game tech team. Very nice. Moving on to the topic of the Internet of Things, Free Artos now supports over-the-air suspend and resume operations for your updates. So now you can suspend and resume those uh, OTA operations when you're doing it, uh, particularly useful if the device disconnects from the network. Uh, so it means that basically when it reconnects, it can resume as well. So if you have intermittent network connectivity, this is the one for you. Also, the AWS IoT Device Tester version 3.1.0 for FreeRTOS is now available, so you can do more testing, including qualification tests for said over-the-air update test group. So if you want to test that new capability, you can. And finally, the Cypress PSOC64 Standard Secure Microcontroller is qualified for FreeRTOS, so that, uh, that ecosystem continues to grow. Moving on to the topic of management and governance, uh, VPC resources now support tag on create. So you can now add tags to your VPC resources while creating the resource. Uh, so that's awesome if you really love tagging. AWS Control Tower Console has... Which you should. <laughs> yes, most definitely. <laughs> <Everyone> tags. <laughs> the uh, Control Tower Console has added more visibility into OUs and accounts. You can now search, sort, and filter across all tables and view more detail on your AWS accounts and organizational units within the Control Tower Console. 
You can also customize the display of tables on the console pages that display your organizational units, accounts, and guardrails to limit the number of results displayed, wrap lines, or hide or select columns. You also have more visibility into organizational units and accounts, even those not managed by Control Tower. For example, accounts not yet enrolled in Control Tower are now listed on the organizational units detail page, as well as the number of service control policies applied to that OU that are not managed by Control Tower. Systems Manager Automation now supports higher concurrency limits for execution. So you can now run up to 100 concurrent automations per account, including child automation. So these are automations that are started by another automation execution. And if you attempt to run more than that, the additional automations are added to a queue of up to 1,000 executions themselves. In addition, you can also run 25 rate control automations. So these are automations with a concurrency value and error threshold with an additional queue of 1,000. The short answer is you can run lots of lots more stuff than you could run before, so hopefully you can manage your environment better. There are a lot of numbers in that one. Uh, AWS Managed Services AMS now offers context-based proactive incident notification service. Now, what this means is that critical CloudWatch alarms based on incident context are proactively delivered to you much faster. So this helps you understand the critical instances that are ha- incidents, I should say, that are happening to your instances, any impacted resources and suggested corrective actions. Uh, So this is very, very useful in terms of things like uh, EBS, EC2, uh, different types of utilization, high memory utilization, high swap usage, just stuff. When when things look like being bad, uh, you'll find out about them quicker (laughs) so you can take action. AWS Systems Manager now supports adding offsets to maintenance windows schedules. Uh, So it now supports the scheduling of maintenance tasks, such as applying patches offset from a specific day in a specific week of the month, which enables operators to specify the number of days to wait before executing a maintenance window. So you can now set up a recurring schedule to automatically apply patches on the Sunday following the patch given by, for example, Microsoft on Tuesday, which currently falls on the second Tuesday of each month. And you can add an offset of five days following the patch on Tuesday. To add the offset, create a new maintenance window or add an existing one via the console, CLI, or CloudFormation templates. And lastly, in this category, this one's really cool. I really can't wait to get my hands on this one. Uh, CDK Pipelines have launched in preview. Uh, So CDK Pipelines is a construct library for the CDK that makes it easy to set up simple or complex continuous delivery pipelines with AWS Code Pipeline. With CDK Pipelines, development teams can define and share pipelines as code patterns for deploying their apps. So you can write your source code and then you can write your pipeline or your CI/CD in code, which is amazing. Uh, You can easily add stages to your pipeline and deploy apps across multiple AWS accounts or regions. So you can quickly get CI/CD up and running just by writing your pipeline in code using the CDK. The other thing I like is that they are self-mutating. So uh, you only deploy the pipeline once and then the pipeline automatically updates itself when you add new CDK applications or stages in the source code. That's so cool. So that's that's nifty. I, I'm sure you're going to give us a report when you get your hands on that one. <laughs> Most definitely. 
Moving on to the topic of media services, we're happy to introduce the Amazon Interactive Video Service or Amazon IVS. This is a managed live streaming solution that's quick and easy to set up and ideal for creating interactive video experiences. Basically, you send your live streams to Amazon IVS using standard streaming software like open broadcasting software or OBS. And the service does everything you need to make low latency live video available to any viewer around the world. So you get to figure out the experience you want for your customers rather than having to ship the video around. And you can easily customize and enhance the audience experience through the RVS Player SDK and a timed metadata API. So you can create a far more interactive relationship with your viewers on your own websites and applications. This is super exciting. We'll be doing a deep dive on this in a future episode. I've been waiting for that one to launch for a while. It's essentially Twitch as a service. I met with the team at Twitch that, that is releasing this. It's incredibly cool what they're doing. Um, okay, moving on to the topic of migration and transfer. We are now announcing the Migration Evaluator, which is a way to fast track your business case for AWS. Uh, so customers that are considering AWS for running on-prem workloads can request a business case from the Migration Evaluator at no cost. Creating business cases on your own can be time-consuming, and you can't always identify the least expensive deployment and purchasing options. So with the Migration Evaluator, you get access to AWS expertise, visibility into the costs associated with multiple migration strategies, and insights on how reusing your existing software licensing can further reduce your costs. I find this one to be really, really effective and cool for people that are looking to migrate to the cloud. Basically, we will investigate it for you and help you on your journey. AWS Snowball Edge Compute Optimize is now available in 11 additional regions. So those regions are U.S. East Ohio, Canada Central, South America, Asia Pacific Sydney, Asia Pacific Tokyo, Asia Pacific Osaka, Asia Pacific Seoul, uh, Stockholm, Paris, Frankfurt, and London. Very, very handy. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, Amazon CloudFront adds additional geolocation headers for more granular geotargeting, which is really, really interesting. So you can now configure CloudFront to add additional geolocation headers that give you more granularity in your caching and origin request policies. So previously you could configure it to uh, provide the viewer's country code in a request header that CloudFront sends to your origin. The new headers give you more granular control of cache behavior and your origin access to the viewer's country name, region, city, postal code, latitude, and longitude based upon the viewer's IP address. So very, very nifty. Related to this, Amazon CloudFront has announced cache key and origin request policies. So this gives you enhanced granular control to configure headers, query strings, and cookies that can be used to compute the cache key or forwarded to your origin from your CloudFront distributions. Also, you can configure the cache key and origin request settings independently as account level policies that can be easily applied across multiple distributions. So previously, when you configured your CloudFront distribution behavior, uh, it was basically uh, separately cached versions of these objects based upon all the unique combinations. This means you don't have to choose between forwarding data to the origin or optimizing cache efficiency. You can kind of combine a whole lot of capabilities. And the policy basis means if you're doing this on a regular basis across lots of distributions, it now happens all together. CloudFront has announced a new TLS 1.2 security policy for viewer connections, uh, which includes the following ciphers. Uh, there's a bunch of them here. E-C-D-H-E-R-S-A-M. <laughs> I don't think you have to read them all. <laughs> all right. Well, it includes a lot more ciphers. We'll just leave it at that. And the, well, I think, and the thing, the important thing is, it's the only the 1.2 version ciphers. So yes. you're, you're really locking down which ciphers you're happy to have. There you go. 
locking down to 1.2. Uh, moving on, Amazon Detective has enhanced VPC flow visibility. So it now enables you to interactively examine your network flows on VPC, which enables you to answer questions such as what port or network services were in use at that time, were there any large data transfers involved, was the traffic allowed by my security groups, uh, and these details can help security analysts investigate Amazon Guard duty findings, examine unexpected network behavior, and identify other resources that might be affected by a potential security issue. Uh, once it is enabled, it will automatically and cost-effectively process all VPC flow records from your enabled accounts and aggregate them by EC2 instance and present visual summaries and analytics about your network traffic. Uh, with this new feature, you can now drill down into selected time periods to view the details of these flows. And these details include source and destination IPs and ports, volume and directionality of the traffic, and whether the traffic was accepted or rejected. The interactive tabular view enables you to sort, filter, and visualize the flows to pinpoint network traffic that occurred during a specific time period of interest, and the data is retained for 12 months, allowing you to investigate historic network activity. That's really, really handy. Yeah. Um, AWS AppMesh uh, has now achieved HIPAA of eligibility. Now, most of our services constantly undergo a whole lot of security certifications, compliance certifications, etc., and we mention them from time to time. Just to remind you that they're always changing. Now, AWS AppMesh is a service mesh for observing, managing, and securing communication between services. So you can learn more about that on the product page, but it is now HIPAA eligible. The AWS Global Accelerator has launched a one-click acceleration for application load balancers. So the reason why you might want to use this is you can obtain better performance for users by as much as 60% with just a single click on the management console. So when you create a load balancer in the console, you can select a checkbox to enable Global Accelerator as an add-on service. Behind the scenes, the Elastic Load Balancing and Global Accelerator work together to set up an accelerator in your account and put it in front of your load balancer. After you create your load balancer, you choose the integrated services tab to see the static IP address and DNS name that you can use and start routing user traffic to the load balancer over the global network. This is very, very nifty. Moving on to the topic of security identity and compliance, one for the Aussies. Uh, we had a whole lot of IRAP assessed services. I think 92 was the number that came out uh, a little while ago. That's our local assessment for security. And the AWS Secrets Manager has been IRAP assessed and accepted for protected levels. So this is really useful if you're using Secrets Manager to control your secrets uh, that are required to be used in different applications, etc. So things like database credentials, API keys, etc. It is itself IRAP assessed. AWS Key Management Service now supports VPC endpoint policies. Uh, so KMS will now allow you to define VPC endpoint policies, which enables you to increase the granularity of your security controls by specifying which principles can access your endpoint, which API calls they can make, and which resources they can access. Moving on to the topic of storage, Amazon Elastic File System has increased per client throughput by 100%. <laughs> this is a pretty cool one. Actually, I, I want to pause for a moment on this one, Nikki, because I think it's important. You know, we, we often like to talk about you know, how we want to work for customers and, and innovate on their behalf. And I think one of the benefits of, of cloud and AWS is that you get a lot of these innovations and benefits without having to do anything. And some of them can be quite substantial. Yes. And, and I think this is a great example of that where you don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay any, any you more. But it. you're about to tell everyone all the good stuff you get. It's like, it's I wish a lot of my other stuff worked that way. <laughs> Seriously. I wish life worked like that. <laughs> There's a t-shirt there. <laughs> it's for real. So 
this uh, this benefit that we're talking about, EFS now supports up to 500 megabytes per second of per client throughput, which is a 100% increase from the previous limit of 250 megabytes per second. Total throughput for an EFS file system remains at 10 plus gigabytes per second across all NFS clients. Uh, so customers just benefit from this increased performance and lower cost by doing absolutely nothing. You just get it. <laughs> it's just there. It's so cool. <laughs> for real. So EFS wasn't quite finished. Their console has simplified the file system creation and management, making it even easier for you to create and manage your file system resources. In addition to a refreshed look and feel, you can now create a file system using the recommended settings in just a few clicks and customize your view to quickly find information you're looking for, as well as monitor your file system behavior using CloudWatch metrics and alarms natively in the EFS console. The team has been super busy. They also now have automatic backups for Elastic File System. So starting today, all new file systems created with EFS console are automatically backed up with AWS Backup using the recommended settings. So that's a daily backups with a retention of 35 days. So this makes it easy to get up and running without having to do anything. And that EFS team still going. Uh, the <laughs> EFS CSI driver is now generally available. So this makes it simple to configure Elastic File Storage for both EKS and self-managed Kubernetes clusters running on AWS using standard Kubernetes interfaces. So applications running in Kubernetes can use EFS file systems to share data between pods in the Scalac group or with other applications running within or outside of Kubernetes. It can also help Kubernetes applications be highly available because all data written to EFS is written to multiple AWS availability zones. So if a Kubernetes pod is terminated and relaunched, the CSI driver will reconnect the EFS file system even if the pod is relaunched in a different AWS availability zone. Cool. That sounds like a whole lot of goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, this one's interesting. Amazon FX, FSX for Lustre now supports automatic updates from S3. Uh, so that's really cool. So Luster, FSX for Luster integrates with S3, making it really easy to process data sets with the high-performance Luster file system. When it is linked to an S3 bucket, an FSX for Luster file system transparently presents S3 objects as files and allows you to write change data back to S3. Until today, when you created an FSX for Luster file system linked to an S3 bucket, the file system imported the list of files and directories from your bucket once, during file system creation. Now, you can also configure your file system to update its contents automatically on an ongoing basis as objects are added or changed to your S3 bucket. So customers who periodically collect and process new data, such as autonomous vehicle researchers and financial analysts, can easily use Amazon FSx for Lustre to process the latest data when it is added or changed in their S3 buckets. And lastly, Amazon EBS Fast Snapshot Restore is now available for shared EBS snapshots. So you can now enable Fast Snapshot Restore on shared snapshots. That's a mouthful for I, some I intentionally reason. let you read this one, Nikki. <laughs> of course you would. Um, now, now you can do she sells seashells by the seashore. I don't know why. It's a mouthful today. Uh, so... FSR, which is your fast snapshot restore, eliminates the need for pre-warming data into volumes and ensures that EBS volumes restored from FSR-enabled snapshots instantly receive full provision performance. Earlier, you could enable FSR only for snapshots you owned, but now you can enable FSR for public and private snapshots shared with you, which eliminates the need for you to copy snapshots from other accounts into your account to enable FSR 
which results in cost savings and, of course, a simplified workflow. The improved agility benefits use cases where a central account shares snapshots with you, such as booting from custom AMIs and restoring volumes for disaster recovery. Moving on to the topic of training and certification, there's a new classroom course called Adibus Cloud Financial Management for Builders. I'm really excited about this one. It's a new three-day intermediate instructor-level instructor-led, I should say, training course. It's built by AWS experts and it's designed for all builders and technologists interested in learning to design cost-optimized architectures, especially developers, solution architects, DevOps, and systems administrators. So this really helps you learn to build to price as well as to build to technology, I think, which is a really important and much broader conversation. There are new digital courses on disaster recovery and migrations to the AWS cloud as well. So cloud endured disaster recovery technical training and cloud endured migration training technical are both available. These are 90 minutes and two hours in length respectively. And you can get up and running and look at them very quickly. And if you're an APN partner, there are four new and updated courses, uh, AWS Solutions Training for Partners, Amazon Connect, uh, there's the IT on AWS, migrating to AWS, and of course, the Uh, data analytics on AWS as well. Lastly, the topic of AWS solutions. There's a new solution for scale-out computing on AWS with REST API, which includes finer-grained job management capabilities and an enhanced web interface. So scale-out computing on AWS is a solution that provides customers with a production-ready reference implementation for deploying an AWS environment to start and manage scale-out workloads. This implementation features a large selection of compute resources, budget, and cost management integration within AWS automation tools and an example user interface. Uh, So you can use CloudFormation to easily deploy the infrastructure components uh, and uh, and check out that solution if you're using scale-out computing. And then this last one here is the AWS Content Analysis, which is a new solution that customers can use to obtain a broader understanding of their media content through machine learning. It brings together the capabilities of different machine learning tools to generate meaningful insights from metadata gleaned through video analysis. Customers can use the solutions implementation, modify it to fit their own workloads, and build their own analytical solutions for media in the cloud. It employs recognition, transcribe, translate, and comprehend, and can easily be deployed again uh, via CloudFormation. Very nifty. And a reminder that these solutions, and there's a big catalog of them now, are all open source. And the nice thing is, is that you get the cloud formation, you get the architectural diagram, et cetera, and you can then take it and use it to base your own solutions on or use it as an idea for a broader solution you're putting together, et cetera. It's a, it's a great uh, way to get going much quicker than you might from uh, just from starting from whole cloth. Definitely. It's like turnkey too. It's just like turn it on, go. Yep, Exactly. Well, there you go, Nikki. We've got through another great uh, week of updates, hopefully something there for everyone. How do people get in touch with you if they want to give feedback? So you can uh, let us know if you're really enjoying this new audio on my Twitter, which is uh, K-N-E-E-K-E-Y-23, like your knee and a key 23. Uh, please let us know how we're doing. We love to hear from you as always. And you can, you can contact either me or Simon. Absolutely. Also, we'd love to get your feedback at podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. And thanks very much, Nikki, for another great recording session. And thanks, everyone, for listening. It is great to have you on board. Please do tell others about the podcast. Many people are delighted to find out that one exists. And until next time, keep on building.